Hello everyone, this is episode 5 of Gaming's Lost Memories. I am your host, Big Reed, and today we will be discussing Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, so this was a topic that when I uh, first created the podcast, I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta talk about the Pokemon games, uh, especially the originals and then Gen 5. We'll skip around a little bit in a future podcast. Um, but I really wanted to share kind of, you know, how I viewed and, you know, just the time that Pokemon, when it absolutely took over the entire world and was just an absolute blast. And, um, you know, there are games that just, I, I, I hate being dramatic and saying like they changed the course of my life, but it was definitely a, an impactful time. I, I remember, you know, getting Pokemon uh, blue actually, and just, there's just so many like cool stories or things that were important to me that kind of happened in, in just times during that, that era that I, I really enjoyed. So Pokemon red and blue, obviously, you know, they kicked off the mega crazy successful intellectual property for Nintendo and the ownership of Pokemon's really weird. There's like a Pokemon company made of like three different companies, including Nintendo that all own the rights to it and everything like that. So it's, it's all pretty interesting on who actually owns it, but, you know, at the end of the day, it became wildly popular and successful and really kind of cemented Nintendo as, like, the end-all, be-all for the portable video game market. And I know Sony attempted to kind of, you know, come in with the PSP, which I really like, the Vita, which I think I like the PSP more, but the Vita is a pretty cool console as well. But it just cemented that, like, this is their space. And, you know, when they want to crank out another Pokemon game, they're going to sell a billion copies of it. And just nobody else is going to have anything like that. But uh, Pokemon Red and Blue, I think, I'm going to double check here. They came out in 1998. That feels like so long ago. Um, but I, I remember, like, hearing rumors and everything about this. So this was way back before... This was really early internet, so I would say 1995 is when you, you would see a lot of like pop-up sites. Like I'll give GameFAQs a shout-out here. Um, I think they opened up like their message boards in 1999, and you could go and get facts and everything like that. Uh, but computers just weren't super common and weren't used how they were used today. The internet was barbaric, <laughs> to say the least, uh, but it was kind of interesting, like... Early on, like I have memories of everybody would kind of know a person who had a computer and had access to the internet. So, you know, a lot of your information, <laughs> especially when it came to like gaming, was exchanged either at lunchtime or in the schoolyard. And you were kind of like getting information for, through three different people whose cousin, you know, had the internet, who printed out a, a web page talking about this crazy new video game that's just like exploding in popularity. Um, but I remember just Pokemon just being a hurricane. Like, it just, the, how popular and successful it was, even in the mainstream, was just absolutely insane during that time. And now, the Pokemon series and franchise in general is still absolutely huge, but during this time of the launch of these games, you know, in 98, so for North America... Because uh, that's kind of like, you know, when I first played it. So I got September 28th, 1998, and I got my copy in November of 1998 on my birthday. So Pokemon, back before I even realized what 
like RPGs exactly were. So I have I had played role playing games, you know, up until that point, um, but I never really realized how old school JRPG the Pokemon games are, especially the originals. Now they they have there's been a lot of quality life enhancements and there's been a lot of changes. I I, I still think you could categorize them as an RPG, but looking back now with what I know, like they follow the template of JRPGs to like a T, you know what I mean? Like you, you have your story, you progress through towns, there's healing, there's items, there's, you know, battling turn-based battles. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Like how old school these games were in terms of design. And you can really see like where the creator of Pokemon, you know, kind of pulled his, I want to say like ideas from, and like what maybe his perspectives were in the gaming industry and everything like that. So that's first and foremost, that's one of the memories that I have where I'm like, uh, you know, as I kind of got a little bit older and really started getting into the JRPGs and, you know, finding popular ones, weird ones nobody's ever heard of. Like, I really just kind of like dove into it with both feet later. But having gone back and played Pokemon, you know, red and blue a billion times, uh, it is really interesting to be like, wow, these are just like an old school JRPG, <laughs> but you have monster collecting. And for whatever reason, it just resonated with the entire world. And, um, I want to say in 98, I was probably like, I think I turned 12, I think in 1998. So, uh, it was just a really interesting time because one, the world was completely different. The internet barely existed. I mean, it was out there. I'm not saying it wasn't, but like, I don't think we had a computer for another like seven years. <laughs> like it just wasn't a priority. You didn't need it. Uh, if you would go to the computer lab at school, um, the only thing you could search or they would teach you to use was like finding articles on this one specific program and typing up papers. Like there was just no connection. So all of the rumors surrounding Pokemon Red and Blue were just like absolutely fascinating. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of go back. So I, I alluded earlier that I got my copy in November. So that's, you know, my birthday, right? And I remember just, man, these games like sound awesome. Everybody's playing them. They look so cool. Everybody would be taking their Game Boys to, you know, uh, recess and everything like that. And um, I don't know if you could battle straight from when the games came out, but I think you could. But I remember the link cables, like people doing battles, people doing trades to complete their Pokedex. <clears throat> it was just a, a wild experience. And I'm, I don't know if the Pokemon trading card game came out first, but I, I remember one of my first examples with it before I picked up Pokemon Blue, I, I believe, and I could be confusing this a little bit because like the card games could have come after, um, but I, I distinctly remember um, one of my, my close friends growing up, he moved to, you know, uh, where we lived from Florida. So... He came up and he he might have had cousin a cousin either in uh, California or Florida. I can't remember which one, but I distinctly remember he came and he had Pokemon cards. And Pokemon might have been, I might have already been playing Blue for a little while, but I, I have a distinct memory of this because he was like, oh yeah, look at these cards. And I'm like looking at the original base set and I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, this is like a game, like a game you play with Pokemon. And I remember he gave me a Spearow. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember I put it in like one of those like uh, hard plastic top loaders. Those are my first ever uh, card, my Spiro card. Um, 
but I just remember him saying like, yeah, you know, like where I'm from, like it's, it's like huge right now. And it just like kind of crept across the entire country, but we'll backtrack a little bit here. So birthday time rolls around. I get some cards, get a little bit of scratch and I, <laughs> um, I lived in a very small town. So there now there aren't any department stores or really like anywhere. Like if you need something, you're basically going to like a convenience store or like a CVS or something. Um, but at the time there was a department store called Ames. So think of kind of like a Kmart. It, it was small because, uh, the little tiny shopping plaza that did exist, um, you were kind of just working with what you had there. So I, I have weird memories of Ames. Like it's just such a weird place, but it had an electronics department. I remember, uh, you know, buying Pokemon Blue there and uh, ended up buying another game on PlayStation for my cousins. And sadly, they had to share a game because I didn't have any money because I was the kid. But I bought them, I think it was like 99 Winks or something like that, a game about these like little characters on PlayStation. But anyway, I go there. I- I'm talking to anybody like, hey, who can give me a ride to Ames? It- it's like a couple miles away too, so it's like not even far. And I remember I go in and I go in to pick up Pokemon Red. Because I'm like, look at this weird dragon guy who's all red with a flame tail. Like, this guy looks awesome. They didn't have Pokemon Red. But, you know, like, listen, if I had the option, I wasn't leaving without Pokemon. Because I had waited, you know, patiently, you know, wanting to play these games so bad. And I just remember, like, everybody everybody that had a Game Boy or didn't have a Game Boy, they had this. And you were getting a Game Boy. You know what I mean? It was like just so popular. I've never, I've never seen something be as popular in the mainstream and everybody talking about it. Everybody had something to say about Pokemon at that time, good or bad. So if you're one of the parents, you're like, I don't understand these Pokemans are so stupid. Like everybody had something to say. You would turn on the TV and every single show was talking about Pokemon. The news were talking about Pokemon, you know, religious people were talking about Pokemon because it's the devil, uh, that, that has gone away. Uh, <laughs> I'll talk about another story with that, but, uh, the sentiment, everybody felt like they had to come out and say something about Pokemon because it was so huge. And I have never again experienced something like that where people so far removed from popular culture or anything like that knew about it, had an opinion on it, even if it wasn't a great opinion, like in my entire life, I have never seen or witnessed or experienced like so many people basically being on the same page and just knowing about something that they don't even care about. You know what I mean? So it, that's the one thing that was wild. Like you could not go anywhere, do anything. Like I was just bombarded with like, Oh, Pokemon, Pokemon. So I pick up Pokemon blue. I could not be more excited. I might've had my game boy with me and been popping that open. I wish I still had the box to that dang game. Um, but I just remember firing it up. And hearing the original, you know, music that plays when you start it, I'm like, whoa. And it, it immediately goes into, hey, your your adventure's about to start. You know, what's your name? What's your rival's name? So, you know, I picked a schoolyard kid that I knew that we're, we would, <laughs> anytime we'd hang out, we'd always end up like, you know, fighting and beating each other up. Not Nothing too serious. We just, uh, we, I don't know, we were really competitive with each other. So, you know, there were times when he was my rival. <laughs> um, so I, I would name it, you know, after his name. And I'd be like, okay, we're going to Pokemon battle now instead. Uh, but I just remember from the very beginning being captivated by this experience. Because 
there just wasn't anything else like it. Like, not only was the hype unbelievable and everybody's talking about it, but now it's like, man, I get to experience this. And you do the, the little beginning portion, which everyone knows so well, and then you get to pick your starter Pokemon. And Team Team Charmander over here, Team Charmander. Um, <laughs> looking back, uh, I like Bulbasaur a lot more. Like, I used to never like Bulbasaur. Um, I, for, for some reason, it's always fire types. I don't know why. Probably because I just loved the Charmander design and, like, how awesome. Like, I, I thought Charizard was just absolutely awesome. Um, but, you know, my secondary would always be the water type or, like, Squirtle. But, I don't know. In recent years, I, I've just started liking Bulbasaur a little bit more. You know, even though he kind of gets, you know, pushed around. And I feel like grass types, this is another thing. So, Pokemon has types. So, there's different types of Pokemon. Fire, water, Psychic, you know, uh, flying, normal, they're, they're fighting, there's a billion of them, ground, rock, yada, yada, yada. So it uses like a rock, paper, scissors mechanic. So you might have your Charmander, but if somebody throws out a Squirtle and, you know, that has a water attack, like you're going to be at a disadvantage because the moves are going to do double damage to you because of your, your weakness types. So just from like the get-go, the game is just so engaging and you're thrown into a choice of one of three Pokemon that are like absolutely so iconic and awesome. And it's kind of funny, but a lot of people like judge you by your choices. It's like, Hey, I'm not going to judge you for your other life choices, but who is your starter in Pokemon red and blue? Uh, but like I said, for me, it was Charmander and the game, the original Pokemon games embody what the original intended experience actually was. So if you want, Nothing fancy. So, like, for example, say you like coffee and you brew some coffee at home. Maybe you throw some, like, you know, sugar and cream in it. Or maybe you just, you know, drink it just black. Like, you know, nothing added in it. That's kind of what Pokemon is. Pokemon's, the original Pokemon Red and Blue games are simplistic and they embody what the Pokemon experience is at its core. Now, every game basically after that has added more and Trust me, there's been a lot of like great enhancements and everything like that. But you fast forward, you know, 25 years, right? Or how old was Pokemon? Let's see, 90, 95, 96, 96. So anyway, you you fast forward to, say, Pokemon Sword and Shield, which are the most recent ones until this November. You, you still, I loved Pokemon Sword and Shield. I had a great experience with it. I liked the raids. There was a lot that I liked, but sometimes I yearned for the simpler times when you just get that Pokemon experience. And that's why I still think Pokemon Red and Blue hold up because you can go back and it's just core Pokemon gameplay nonstop because there wasn't a lot of, you know, things added. The games were relatively simplistic, but also extremely complicated for what that dang eight megabyte, you know, cartridge could hold. So you travel around the world, there's 150 Pokemon, 151, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, so there's 150 Pokemon, there's version exclusives, exclusives, excuse me, so Pokemon Red and Blue had separate Pokemon to kind of encourage the trading experience, and you know, hanging out with friends and trading Pokemon and all that stuff, plus you could only pick one of the starters. So that's a little um, frustrating because the starters just all look awesome, <laughs> and they're like really fun to use. Um, but it also kind of cemented, like, if you're playing it by yourself and not going to have access to trade, like, you got to pick your favorite. So, so many times, um, you know, you would, you know, pick a Pokemon and 
you kind of just got used to that pick. So like, I'll always pick a Charmander at this point. You know what I mean? Like if I have my choice, it's Charmander tried and true. Um, but the world for being a Game Boy game, like just felt absolutely huge. And as you would traverse around, um, you would encounter wild Pokemon. So you'd catch Pokemon to fill up your Pokedex. The ultimate goal, you know, while beating the gym leaders and becoming the Pokemon league champion, um, so there's eight gyms. Once you beat the gyms, you can go challenge the Elite Four, and it's four super-powered, you know, up trainers, and then there's a champion at the end. But ultimately, you know, from the very beginning, the game is, hey, here's this Pokedex. We're going to discover the world of Pokemon, and this is like a Pokemon encyclopedia, and anytime you catch them, it inputs the information, you know, into your Pokedex. So that's kind of your ultimate goal. So being able to trade, you know, back and forth was kind of imperative because you're not going to have access to all of the Pokemon. You, you can complete a good chunk of the Pokedex and still have access to a lot of cool Pokemon, but, you know, you're going to need to trade for the starters. You're going to need to um, trade for the version exclusives and everything like that as well. But at the core, you're traveling around, and it's very simple. You travel to get to the next gym, and you battle people in between. Um, there's caves, which... Ooh, baby, I don't know uh, <laughs> how much everybody remembers uh, from some of these, you know, caves like the Seafoam Islands, for example. Uh, the games were really good at adding complicated elements into it in like puzzle solving because like you can get if you don't pay attention, you can get lost in Seafoam Islands for a long time because you got to push all these rocks very specifically so you can use surf so you can kind of get through, you know, and continue your tra your travels. But as you travel, your Pokemon level up and evolve. So that's another one of like the really cool, you know, uh, gameplay aspects is Charmander at level 16 will evolve, at level 36 will evolve. So your Pokemon get stronger as they evolve. Um, and one of the things the game actually, I, I believe it talks about in game, is if you don't evolve your Pokemon, they'll learn moves faster. And if you like Vulpix and you want Vulpix to have a, a fire attack without trying to use a technical machine... Um, you actually have to level it up and let it learn. Uh, I think it's flamethrower and then evolve it with a firestone, which that is like the worst, one of the worst experience. I'm like, I need a fire type. I'll just throw nine tails on my team and I catch a Vulpix. I evolve it. And then I learn that it can't learn. Like <laughs> it can't learn a fire attack after that. I'm like, Oh my goodness, what is going on here? Games are just like super interesting, but yeah, picking it up, um, and playing through the games. So you just constantly level up your Pokemon. You build your team. You trade. You battle. Um, and the games are actually pretty tough. So unless you know a lot of the um, kind of like secrets to the game. And Pokemon that are really good. Like Nidoking is absolutely incredible. And if you're doing a speed run. You're basically just using one Nidoking. And one shotting every single Pokemon that you're forced to fight. Um but building like a balanced team was kind of like how everyone viewed it then. And also, you know, you get the legendary birds or, you know, Articuno, Moltres, Zapdos, uh, Uno, Dos, Trace. Um, they're absolutely just, there are better Pokemon than others. Now, you can you can basically in these games use whatever Pokemon you want as long as you just level them up and make them stronger and use good attacks. But uh, yeah, there are some Pokemon that are just better <laughs> in the games. Um, Mewtwo being the best. But yeah, as you, I, I just, I also remember, you know, when I got the game, the amount of people playing it and how interesting it was 
to connect the Game Boys together and trade across them, like the link cables. That was also fun, you know, battling on the schoolyard and everything like that, which I didn't really get into the competitive battle scene too much, uh, but it was really fun to watch. And if you um, learn, like how you said, like, like, for example, if you are getting competitive, like Leech Seed can work with Toxic. So that could be like a, a, a style that you would use to slowly like sap the other Pokemon's energy. Um, certain attacks, um, like psychic types were ridiculously overpowered because there just wasn't really a good counter to them and their special attack stat was combined then. So if they had, you know, a really high special and a really high speed, like you just one shotted absolutely everything. There was like no <laughs> competing with it. Um, but yeah, it was just such an amazing and like fun experience and, I, I distinctly remember just certain glitches and tricks that we kind of, you know, figured out and found. So uh, I'll give you an example. And this is going to, this is kind of like a sad story. I had uh, cousins, uh, the ones that I bought that 99 Winx game uh, for, um, and they were into Pokemon, but they weren't like, um, like super gamers. So like, I was just a giant Pokemon nerd. I just like went into it. I had old Nintendo powers about the Pokemon games Anything I could find, the Pokemon comics, anything I could find that was Pokemon related, like I just couldn't get enough of it. And it's funny that that never went away. I, I think at some point my mother probably was like, ah, he's going to grow out of this. And that just like never happened. And now <laughs> now my children are like, I like Pokemon too. Um, but, oh, where was I going with this? I, I'll, I'll tell a quick side story too because I, I just lost track of everything. But speaking of my mother and speaking earlier of like Pokemon is the devil – so, of course, something becomes popular and everybody's got to come out and be like, oh, they're twisted. It's crazy, yada, yada. And I'm like, it's a video game about, like, improving yourself and building friendships and, like, treating your Pokemon well, and, like, <laughs> being nice and teamwork. <laughs> like, like, I don't know how uh, <laughs> how it's getting this, but I remember having a Machamp card, so the, the trading card game, and uh, I might have I gotten him from a deck. So, like, you could buy those decks and you would get, like, you know, like, one of the big cards. Because it was the first edition. And I feel like everybody has a first edition of Machamp. So, I think they just printed a lot of them. But I remember having one. And I was reading the bottom. And it says something from my memory along the lines of saying, like, hey, he's so strong he can punch something over the horizon. And I I, I just misread horizon. I was like, Horizon? And she's like, that definitely sounds like the devil to me. And, I'm, and then eventually I'm like, oh, it says horizon. And she's like, oh, well okay then <laughs> maybe it's not the devil and i'm like no it's not black magic it's none of this weird stuff it's just a game about teamwork and friendship <laughs> uh but yeah kind of going back um going back to the games a little bit here uh it just kind of created this huge experience that everybody just seemed involved with so even my cousins who weren't super into it i remember you know them completing their pokedex and I remember this, and I swear to God this is true. So I talked earlier about trading to get the starters, so it was kind of difficult. So basically, you know, somebody had to either have a brand new Pokemon game without a save on it, because there was batteries in the cartridges, and once those batteries die, they delete your save, and that is like the saddest experience ever. Um, but, so you either needed to have somebody like trade you from the very beginning, um, and just, you know, start a new game and, you know, either wipe their save or not have a save on this cartridge already. However, I distinctly remember a glitch, and I swear to God this is true. 
but I feel like I, I've brought this up before and I've had, you know, people on like message boards say, I don't think that's true. And I'm like, man, I swear to God we did this. Okay. So what you would do is to be able to trade, you had to do the beginning portion of the game where you, you need to catch six Pokemon, I'm pretty sure, but you also need to go and deliver Oak's parcel, like his mail that he gets from, uh, I think it's the very first Pokemon Center or marked or whatever you go in there they're like hey deliver this back to oak so basically like you go to the first town and then you go right back right and deliver this to him so i think you had to do that and then i believe you could go to the first pokemon center so you basically needed like 15 to 20 minutes to like knock all this stuff out you could pick a starter that the other person wanted so say i'm player one and i have my save and i just want a bulbasaur so this person would start a new save do all of this and then trade it to you and you would have it, and then they could reset it and go get the Squirtle that you need and then do the same thing the first 15 or 20 minutes of the game and then trade you the Squirtle. So, boom, you have all three starters, and, you know, they're good to go. So, basically, you needed a game without a save on it. Now, here's here's the, the, the trick tricky part here. From my memories, you could do the same thing with an existing save on the cartridge, but you had... I don't remember if the game makes you save to trade, but I remember you it, it, you would not save. Do not save your game because you'll overwrite it. So what you would do is you would just start a new game, do that very beginning, trade the other person the Pokemon that they want. Just you know catch six Pidgeys and trade them. You know trade them your Squirtle. They'll give you whatever garbage you know because you're just gonna turn the game off. And when you load the game back up, your save will still be there. Your existing save will still be there, and you can do it again. I swear, I swear on everything that I remember that this is what we did. <clears throat> now, I might not have done a great job of explaining this to my cousin. I don't recall, but I, I remember saying, do not save your game. Like, so if it's going to save, you turn it off, like something like that. You might have had to have turned it off before it saved. But he had a completed Pokedex, so all 150 Pokemon. And I remember I was like, hey, yeah, we're going to do this. And he's like, okay. So he's trading me like Bulbasaur or whatever. And then all of a sudden I hear like the little chime like, doo -doo -doo. and I'm like, did you just save? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> like, what? No, no. What are you doing? Don't do that. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, you're, you weren't supposed to save like we talked about. And I just remember him turning it off and I'm like, saving my game now that I got the additional starter that I needed and he just loads it back up and his entire save is gone and there's like five Pidgeys <laughs> or six Pidgeys and Ratatatas or whatever in his team and I'm just like I remember just looking at him he just looks at me he's like did I just lose everything and I'm like I think so and I just remember he walked in the house <laughs> I was like oh my gosh I'm so sorry like <laughs> I felt terrible there's like nothing you could do um and now keep in mind Throughout my, my Pokemon experiences, uh, I had deleted and restarted saves like 100 billion times. Um, like it was just, uh, I would hit a point and I'm like, eh, let's do it again. Like I replayed these games a billion times. I also have another vague memory of my Charmander evolving at level 9. And I don't know if that would have been some kind of crazy glitch, but everything else, like with that time and those experiences, like I remember... And I, I've since then have, you know, have had other people kind of confirm them or I looked online and I was like, oh, this was a thing. I distinctly remember this. Um, so I remember that happening. I don't know if that's true or not, 
but I distinctly remember because I, I before I even went to Brock to fight the very first gym leader, leveling Charmander up, and I just remember him evolving, and I was like, this is really weird. Keep in mind, too, uh, my game cartridge, I did the missing number glitch a billion times, like once we kind of figured out, which brings me to the next point. Um, the games... <laughs> I'm going to say this because I, I think the actual games are phenomenal, but the games like weren't designed very well. So you have like a, a really new fledgling studio, Nintendo helping them basically design these games like Shigi or Shigeru Miyamoto. I always call him Shigi. He's like the godfather of Nintendo, created Mario, Zelda, all that stuff. He was a producer on it. So I remember, you know, you know, he's he's credited in the game. So Nintendo was like partnering you know, with Game Freak to basically make these games. Nobody knew what they were going to become. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> you're working on Game Boy hardware. You're working on a tiny, tiny, itsy-bitsy little cartridge. Like, 8 megabytes of space is just insane that they crammed all these Pokemon and, you know, cities and everything into this. Uh, but the games are very glitchy. They have a lot of, like, weird... Um, issues with them like you can mess with the saves a lot if you do things in certain orders you can really you know kind of mess with the games and there's a, a missing missing no or missing number um glitch which is just like notorious so the pokemon rumors were absolutely um wild but the the missing number glitch is one of the most interesting ones because <clears throat> i remember that rumor starting like on the schoolyard and everybody talking about it and it's so specific because I, I believe what you do. So for those that don't know, um, you go to where the person in Viridian City teaches you how to like catch a Pokemon. You watch that, I think. And then I think you fly to like the Seafoam Islands and you surf up and down um, where the water meets the, the ground. And what happens is you'll eventually encounter this bizarre crazy looking pokemon that looks like a giant rectangle doesn't have a number he like looks creepy the music's all weird he makes a really weird sound you're just like what is happening um he appears and then from my memory whatever is in the sixth item slot um will duplicate to like a couple hundred of that item so for example you could put a, you know, master ball in that sixth item slot, do this glitch, and then you would have uh, like over a hundred, you know, of these items. So what was really cool about that is rare candies or master balls or something that's like really important, you know, you can just basically, you know, load up on those and, you know, <laughs> you can use a master ball to catch every Pokemon. Um, but it was just like so creepy and weird and he would just appear and then what happens too is if you glitch this all out you can catch him and I, I remember uh if you go into your like little pokemon team like he changes different pokemon types so he'll look like a, a grass type pokemon of their little characters he'll look like a kangaskhan type monster pokemon or he'll look like an old man in it too which is really weird and i think if you like um utilize him and like level him up he'll evolve into a pokemon too like i feel like he evolves into like a kangaskhan or something weird but it was just so bizarre but what happens is anytime you go to look at your hall of fame pokemon they're all glitched out and creepy and weird like it can mess with your game but i just remember 
and for some reason, like once I knew how to do it and I did it like a few times, um, my friends like wanted to know how to do it. And I don't know why I did this. But, like I wouldn't tell them, but I'm like, if you give me your game, I'll do it for you. So I would go and do the glitch. And I remember we were standing at the bus stop, like waiting for the bus to arrive. And I'm like doing it. And my one friend's like, oh, I hear the music. He's riding his bike. And I was surfing. And I remember I just looked at him and I turned the volume down. <laughs> and he's like, why won't you just tell us? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just being a silly kid for some reason. But that kind of kicked off too the rumors of that time and the weird, uh, you know, glitches you would experience. I could not tell you how Mew was from like, I remember day one, like you, you could check, um, at the SS Anne. So there's a giant cruise ship that you go on to get the, I think it's the cut TM, I think, or, or HM, excuse me, um, to be able to progress in the story. But, uh, <clears throat> if you, Enter the ship. You can go back into that place. You have to do it in a weird order, but you can go back and there's like this car or this truck that's there and everybody would go in there and try to use strength to like push it around like muse under the truck. Like the rumors were just absolutely wild, like Pika blue, like whenever uh, there's secretly like a blue version of Pikachu that I think ended up being uh, Meryl or whatever that weird like a little water Pokemon from the next gen. But it was just like absolutely wild. Like the, the rumors were just crazy in the games. It felt like there was just no end to like what was programmed in there. And the craziest thing about the Mew one is I cannot tell you how many times everybody talked about Mew. And Nintendo ended up distributing it across like some type of event or whatever, like after. So you could actually, you know, get a Mew. But I remember like fairly recently, past like, you know, probably seven years or so. Um, one of my buddies was like, oh my God, Mew's actually in the game. And there's a way where you can glitch it without using any external software. So almost kind of similar to uh, the glitch where you do the missing number glitch. Um, I believe you fly. I, I, now I'm loosely going to say this here, but you do something with the, there's a bridge uh, where Misty is. So in Cerulean City, where I think you have to pause it right as your rival's coming down from the bridge to like when you do like the little exclamation point, like you see him and you use teleport. So I think you need an Abra if I remember correctly and you use teleport and it'll take you back. Um, so the, basically the battle won't initiate like the next story part won't initiate. And then if you go to the left of Cerulean city where the grass is, you just walk through it and boom, there's a freaking Mew. Like, so they programmed Mew into the game, but like people didn't find it for the longest time. And this was without any type of software. Cause I think earlier, like in the mid two thousands or early two thousands, um, they found Mew's programming code in the game, which is absolutely crazy. Cause like they, they snuck it in there knowing that it wasn't like meant for players. So it was just like absolutely wild. And everybody's just talking like, Oh my God, Mew, Mew, Mew. And of course, you know, the very first Pokemon movie, you know, you go and watch that and you see Mewtwo and Mew fighting and everything like that. And you're just like, this is awesome. I definitely want this Pokemon. Like, what is he? So cool. Um, but there's a lot of like lore in the games where uh, you go on Cinnabar Island. And what's interesting is there's another kind of fun rumor where Ditto is failed Mew clones because they share so many of the same like stats, so many of the same move types. Um, some, I, somebody said something about their egg species, which I don't know if it's true. Um, but what's really interesting is you go on Cinnabar Island and you read that basically, you know, Mewtwo is a genetic clone 
a souped up clone of Mew using its DNA. So they had they had Mew DNA at some point. Um, but then it's really interesting because so many characteristics between Mew and Ditto are there that they think all of the Dittos are just failed Mew clones that like got out there. And that's why they have like the genetics of like all the Pokemon, yada, yada. But even that was just like <clears throat> absolutely wild. But the fact that Mew is programmable or programmed into the game and you can get it without using any type of like external hardware or software, like it's just a goofy little glitch that accesses the code and gives you a stinking Mew. And I remember playing the game after that because I, I replayed them on my 3DS. <clears throat> and one of my saves, I loaded it up just to double check it. And there's a Mew on there. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> so I did it like, you know, without needing anything external, which is really interesting. But there, it's just like so fascinating because they were able, the games are also kind of like creepy. So not Vermilion City, is it? What's the city with the ghosts? Oh, my gosh. Viridian, Vermilion. Hmm. Hold on here. We're going to take a quick pause. Okay. We are back. There shouldn't be a delay in this, but, uh, Lavender Town. How could I forget? Uh, but the games are just also kind of creepy. And I, I don't think that the games have ever had this like odd feeling before. And uh, partially it's because of the weird glitches. It's because of the really crude sound chip that's you know programmed into the game boy that they have access to like the music's great but it's very sharp and if you listen to the lavender town song it's just so depressing and there's a pokemon tower there where you know they lay their pokemon to rest and there's something terrible that's happened you know happening because team rocket and the originals they're just like gangsters so like it feels like they were kind of designed of like the old school like Japanese mob or like the Italian mob like that's kind of how they feel and that's how their leader like Giovanni that's you know he he kind of reminds me of like your old school like Italian mobster movies and everything like that but that's what they are they're basically just like crooks they're just trying to use pokemon to get money to just you know do whatever and they'll do terrible things so I don't really know if I count this as a spoiler, but uh, I'll put a spoiler tag on the clip, um, or excuse me, on the podcast when I when I load it. But, you know, you go to Lavender Town, and one of the characters is like, you know, do you believe in ghosts? You say yes or no, and they're like, okay, well, I guess that hand on your shoulder is nothing then. Like, it's just, like, creepy. The music's, you know, unnerving. You go, and there's these, you know, Pokemon trainers that are possessed by these ghosts in this Pokemon tower, and, you know, the reason why everything's going crazy is because Team Rocket basically cornered and killed Cubone's mother, a Marowak, and its spirit is just, like, not able to rest because of, like, how turmoil and crazy its end was. And, like, it's just absolutely wild. When you mix that with how the games look, the weird glitches, the, the music, the... Just the locales too so you know cinnabar island where they're doing like genetic testing and everything like that it's just really unsettling <laughs> like lavender town when i hear the music i'm still like ugh, still get like you know, creeped out a little bit it's just it's a sad area and I, I don't think the franchise ever really encapsulated that again but i don't think it was possible because once again just how the games were designed and everything they were working with I think it just worked in their favor. Like the music ends up being creepier than it is because of how basic the sound chip was. You know what I mean? But uh, it, in midway through the game too, it's really interesting because it does open up. Like you can, you know, skip 
around in the gyms. It's kind of funny. Like I'm like, I always do it this way. And other people are like, I do it this way. And I'm like, that's pretty cool that you can actually do that. Um, another kind of fun thing. So let me explain this first and then I'll explain why this is really cool. <clears throat> so there's eight gym badges. If you get the eight gym badges, you go to victory road, you travel through this and they'll let you through, but they have to like verify every gym badge. So then you'll need surf. Like you'll need, you'll need strength, your, your HMs, which are Pokemon moves used to kind of progress the game and, you know, do certain things in the world. Um, but you'll basically need everything to kind of, you know, get to the end. You get to the end and you, walk into the elite four. Now, what you have to do here is fight four really powerful Pokemon masters that specialize like one's fighting, one's ice, you know, you have your dragon type at the end. I believe it's just four. And then, you know, you have your crazy twist, you fight the champion uh, who ends up being your rival. And you got to fight all these guys in a row, all these guys and girls in a row, right? So you beat all of those, and then you'll teleport back to, to Palatown. But that's your your overall kind of goal of the game, that and the Pokedex, right? Well, Professor Oak is the main professor. He gives you your Pokedex and he's like, ah, I don't do this stuff anymore, but you know, you two can go around, complete the Pokedex. That's my life's work. Thank you for helping me. Another interesting thing is Professor Oak was supposed to be like a super final boss. Um, and you can like look it up. Uh, he actually had like a really like good team. Like he had different teams, I think based upon like what you picked. And I don't know if they ever, I know the programming's in the game um, and they, they found like the code for it and everything like that. But I don't know if they actually like programmed the battle into it. You know what I mean? Like program and then the game doesn't access it, but they definitely found like the files in the actual um, game itself. So that's just like another kind of neat twist. It's like something that they found, you know, like later on is like, hey, Professor Oak's all in this. And he was meant to be like a, a final boss type character, which that is absolutely awesome, because I think um, probably one of the most epic um things in Pokemon in terms of bosses is the following games, you know, silver and gold. After like you kind of complete everything, you go to this one area and you're like up on a mountain and there's a character standing there that looks pretty familiar. So I think they call the main character Pokemon Red and Blue just Red. Like he's just the, the that's his trainer name. He's not Ash from the anime. But you go and talk to him and it's even better because like he doesn't talk. He just gives you like an exclamation point and he has a super overpowered like Gen 1 team and it's just like, whoa, like holy smokes, what is happening? Like we're having like a, so it would have been really cool to have fought Professor Oak. Like maybe you go and it would have been a cool after Mewtwo thing maybe because after you beat the Elite Four, you can go um, it, outside of Cerulean City. There's this giant cave that has like all these high level rare Pokemon and Mewtwo's at the end. And uh, I highly recommend, you know, bringing your Master Ball because <laughs> he is a big pain in the butt if you try to catch him with Ultra Balls just because Psychic types were insane. Uh, and he can just do so much freaking damage because his stats are ridiculous. Um, but that would have been a cool like after Mewtwo thing to be able to do. Um, but it's really interesting that like all these years later, they're still finding, you know, glitches and rumors and like all this fun stuff with the Pokemon games. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's like any other things that really um, stand out to me. There's a lot like one thing that stands out that um, they have made so much better, which is like really funny. Um, you have, like, I think, okay, so Pokemon, when you catch them, if you have a full team, they'll go to a Pokemon box. So it's like digital storage for your Pokemon, essentially. And um, 
there's 20 boxes, I believe, and they each hold 20 Pokemon, but you have to manually change them. So early on, I remember, you know, basically losing out on so many like new Pokemon that I found because it's like your Pokemon box is full, so you can't catch them. It's like, oh, so you, it's kind of interesting. You'd have to actually go to the Pokemon Center, change to box number two, and like put all of them. So kind of, you know, collecting them all and like, you know, doing all of that, it was a little clunky then. Um, like even if I do new playthroughs and I'll, I'll catch Pokemon, I kind of just build the team that I want to build now and focus on them. Um, you know what I mean? And there's, there's also interesting gameplay mechanics too. Like I, I want to say focus energy, which is supposed to increase your critical hit rate just doesn't work, <laughs> which is so funny. Cause it says it's working, but like, Oh no, it's, it's, it's actually not the game's just programmed wrong. And then, um, the speed stat was, I believe tied to the critical hit stat. So, cause I always wondered why, um, I would have like a Scyther or I'd have a fast Pokemon that used slash, which is a normal type, a normal type, like a physical attack. It's pretty strong. Oh, well, it's like decently strong, but I, I believe that's one of the reasons why Persian with slash and it's like crazy high speeds. That was like also like secretly really good. Cause it would like critical hit every single time. But I remember having a Scyther, which he just came out of Pokemon unite, uh, Scyther and Scizor. Uh, but he's still awesome. I love that Pokemon design. I think he looks so cool. I actually like bug types, um, even though they were terrible <laughs> for such a long time. In the game, even kind of like, they're bad, but they evolve really early. So like you can have a Butterfree that, you know, has like poison powder and confusion pretty early. But also everything will kill him at the end because they're weak to everything. But uh, he, I always really liked his design and I, I liked him as a, a Pokemon. So I would use him sometimes on my playthroughs. But yeah, I mean... It's just so many fond memories, and it's really interesting looking back and seeing, you know, how kind of old school turn-based battle system these games were, um, but also, it just, it just launched something that I think changed the entire gaming industry and changed really, you know, how <laughs> Nintendo focused on their portable market. Like you could, you there's always a Pokemon game you know, a new generation coming around the corner after they were so wildly successful. And it just created that space, which allowed them to eventually, you know, create what the Wii U was and create what the Switch was and combining like, hey, people like, you know, being able to move a console around and take it with them. And, you know, wouldn't it be great to be able to take your little pocket monsters kind of with you? Um, the games just, I, I still think they stand the test of time. I can go back and play Red and Blue. Now, now keep in mind, they're very basic and clunky. Like you can't run in the original games. There is a bicycle that you can like fly around on. Your your Pokemon can fly you between cities. But the level of exploration and intrigue and mystery and you know, you can build you can build your team anyway. And, and you know, you could have two people build the same team of Pokemon and the stats will be different. The Pokemon will be different. Like there's just so much packed into these games that it's absolutely fascinating that, you know, they originally launched in 1996 and then, you know, in North America in 1998. Like, it seems so long ago on such basic Game Boy hardware that they were able to just program a game that punches above its weight. Like, it's it's absolutely incredible, I think, how advanced and how much there is to these games while also maintaining, you know, Pokemon at the very core of what it is. And I feel like if you want to play Pokemon, you can play the new ones, and that's absolutely awesome. You can play, you know, any of the remakes. They just, you know, remade Gen 4. Um, 
you can play basically any of the Pokemon games, and I think you'll have a blast. And I think that's what's really important is, you know, whatever your favorite is, you know, play your favorite. But if you ever see yourself saying, like, you know, I just really like battling. I really like making my team. I really like doing this stuff. I like battling the gyms. Like, that's the main thing that I like. Go back to Red and Blue and give them a shot because it's Pokemon at the core of what it is as an experience. Leveling your Pokemon monsters, exploring and getting the gym badges, filling up your Pokedex. Like, it is, like, super just all together. It's really interesting. Um, and what's funny, too, is from a Pokemon design point, I think you have some of, like, the coolest Pokemon ever <laughs> in Gen 1. And then also, like, some that maybe <laughs> have a little bit to be desired. Because uh, there's a lot of, like, Pokemon, like, you know, Rattata and Raticate. I don't think I ever use them. I don't know if they're good or bad. I just literally never use them. You know what I mean? There's, like, so many Pokemon in, like, in there. You're just like, I'm never going to use this one. Or maybe you will because, you know, every Pokemon is somebody's favorite, hopefully. Um, but it's just absolutely awesome. And of course, uh, I, I, I would be re remiss not to, you know, admit that, uh, Eevee, you know, comes out in, in Eevee from the very beginning, they had it down. Like, you know, it, it evolves into three different types of, uh, Pokemon and to complement your team, which I absolutely just love And Pokemon yellow, which is like the, the enhanced version of Pokemon red and blue, uh, which oddly enough, you Pikachu's your main Pokemon. Um, but also like Team Rocket's in it. So it's like an anime, like kind of tie in. It's, it's odd. It's definitely a great version. Don't get me wrong. Um, but your, your rival has an Eevee to start out with, which I always thought was really cool. Um, but yeah, it, Eevee's one of my favorites. It evolves in like so many different Pokemon. So like every once in a while I'll do like an Eevee evolution playthrough. But yeah, I, I would say, I have so many fond memories of Pokemon Red and Blue, and it's kind of interesting, you know, seeing the new generations, you know, come into Pokemon and having their favorite that's different from mine. Um, but I think context is absolutely huge, and I think sometimes things are, are lost in translation because, you know, in, in I, I have experienced this as well because, you know, there were, you know, video games where, like, you know, I was maybe three when I was playing them, like, you know, the original Mario Brothers and Zelda and everything like that. I was three or four. Basically, when I could hold a controller, I was, you know, playing it. <laughs> but you get a lot of context when you experience the franchise, especially a long existing franchise from the beginning. And I, I still think Pokemon Blue and Red hold up because of that core experience that, you know, even though the newer generations will add extra stuff on top of that and the core experience is still there, it's just there's nothing else like it. And it really puts a lot of things into perspective. And if you play, you know, the most recent ones and then go back to the originals, you're like, wow, I can't believe like there's so many similarities like this is, you know, this is so similar to what the experience that I'm playing. But there's just like so many more quality of life enhancements and 3D Pokemon and all this other cool stuff. But it's really fun seeing, you know, a new generation of gamers kind of have their schoolyard stories and their Pokemon experiences as well. And I look fondly back on mine. It was one of the coolest times of my life. Poke Fever was absolutely incredible. And, you know, just getting to experience that at the time and seeing what Pokemon would become, because it's a mainstay in popular culture. Like at this point, it's literally impossible for it to go anywhere. But it's one of those things and one of those games where you look back and you realize like, yeah, I was kind of always this person. I was always a, a gamer. I've always loved, you know, these different types of stories and experiences and everything like that. 
And it's really fun seeing that, you know, starting with Pokemon Blue back in 1998, and here I am, and I still love the Pokemon franchise and, you know, play the newer games and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, this will wrap up episode five of Gaming's Lost Memories. Uh, I am your host, Big Reed, and I look forward to talking to you again.